Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. This is Sarah Reith with the KZYX News. Greg King, author of A New History of Northern California's Redwood Forests, Logging, and Save the Redwoods League, spoke recently at an environmental education event called At the Brink. The Ghost Forest, Racists, Radicals, and Real Estate in the California Redwoods, chronicles an intricate web of corporate interests that targeted Redwoods and Humboldt County, including PG&E's pursuit of hydropower. I get questions about the league most, more than anything uh, that is in the book, for good reason. Uh, It really was, even to me, an explosive revelation that this organization was not created ever to save Redwoods, at least not anything more than alongside the road, and at least not for preservation. It was meant to save Redwoods for industry. Because the Redwood ecosystem was not destroyed by fire, it was just as secure as a gold mine. And so that was how they were viewed. So even these groves on the Klamath River that industrialists understood could not be reached for decades, could be um, leveraged over and over again uh, for funds to fuel industry elsewhere. King asserts that the founders of Save the Redwoods League quashed an effort to preserve a swathe of redwoods more than 100 years ago. Uh, In 1919, Sonoma County Congressman Clarence Lay uh, submitted a bill to create a Redwood National Park. Uh, Two weeks later, this nascent Save the Redwoods League decided we're going to incorporate as a nonprofit organization. Uh, And they eventually killed Lay's bill and killed a very promising attempt to make the entire Klamath River ecosystem a Redwood National Park. And that was the League's first important work almost immediately after they had incorporated in 1920 as a nonprofit. King delved into the League's papers, which had been housed in the Bancroft Library at UC Berkeley. He was not expecting the close relationship between the environmental organization and extractive industries. Over its first decade of existence, the League would publicly identify a large tract as Bull Creek which served as a beacon for fundraising efforts. Yet league officials made clear that they were working with rather than against the redwood timber industry. The league's very first brochure, printed in 1920, notes that, quote, the California state highway system through Humboldt County has made the magnificent redwood forests of the northern coast easily accessible to the lover of nature, to the tourist, and to the important industries dependent on forest products. And in the book, I talk about these industries, how redwood was an essential uh, base component of many industries because the growth not only of cities and farms uh, through redwood state pipes and water delivery and foundations and building supplies would have not existed, but the power, the hydropower, would not have existed at the level it did. Industry could not have grown other industries as quickly as it did without redwood. After his talk, King stood in a light rain for a brief interview with KZYX about some of those industry connections, particularly to PG&E and its vast hydropower interests. I point first to Wigington Creed. He was a very powerful attorney in the Bay Area. In 1904, he married into the Hooper clan. The four Hooper brothers collectively were the biggest redwood merchants in the world. C.A. Hooper being the biggest of the four brothers. He married into the Hooper clan again, an an attorney, and he helped broker Redwood deals. When C.A. Hooper died in 1916, uh, Wigington Creed took on all of his assets, which included several lumber companies and a brokerage firm that brokered uh, Redwood lands. But in 1919, he became also 
a founding director of Save the Redwoods League, one of five, very powerful directorship. They controlled everything. Uh, the following year, he wrote the League's Articles of Incorporation and Bylaws, and at the same time, he accepted the president's position at PG&E. Now, PG&E was the world's largest consumer of stave pipes at that time. The largest producer of those stave pipes was the Redwood Manufacturers Company, or Remco, and Wigington Creed was president of that. Tell us what Redwood staves are used for. So a redwood stave pipe was uh, used to transport water over vast distances. Redwood was the only wood that uh, resisted rot from excessive water or long-time water use and was able to be stitched in place over miles through rugged terrain and bring water to farms, to bring sewage out of cities, to bring water to cities. But most importantly, especially in California, was to bring water to turbines. So the turbines that PG&E owned, they owned more than any other uh, company in the world uh, in early 20th century. Uh, so Wigington Creed, owned the company that provided um, the redwood for PG&E's redwood uh, stave pipes, and he was president of PG&E, the world's largest consumer of redwood stave pipes, and he was uh, a director of Save the Redwoods League. So it was really the classic fox in a hen house uh, story, and he's just the example. There, are, all the other examples are in the book, and uh, you know, it's really uh, a story that was surprising even to me to see how this organization formed and was run by industry for industry to save the redwoods for industrial uses. And the power that the redwood stave pipes and PG&E produced early in the 20th century powered all the other industries. So California would not have grown in the way it did without PG&E hydropower and redwood stave pipes to make that work. That was author Greg King talking about what he discovered while researching the ghost forest, his new history of logging the Northern California redwoods, and efforts to save them. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Reif. For all our local news, with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.